Alright, the yellow wallpaper, often cited as an early feminist work that predates even the civil rights movement. Let's get into this piece today and talk about maybe some of the modern interpretations behind this. Yeah! Welcome to the Codex Cantina, where I am Una. And I am Crypto. And you can read for free. We are going to put a link in the description box if you would like to check this story out. This was written by Charlotte Perkins Gilman and published in 1892 in the New England Magazine. So I think it's very important that we start off and talk about Charlotte herself. This story is written in the first person perspective. Charlotte is uh, going to be married at a very young age, and she has a daughter that is born in 1885. But she gets this uh, suggestion from her husband, doctor, and her other doctor that she needs to be on basically permanent bed rest and she's not allowed to do anything. And so she writes this into her story and it's giving information to others of what her experiences were with this uh, cure. She is talking about her life to help maybe someone else avoid taking the suggestion of the rest cure because of how traumatic it was and worse than her depression itself. So we'll do a quick plot. This may sound kind of similar to what we just went through, but we start off with our narrator, who is a woman, first person narrative, as he said, and she's described with a temporary nervous depression after having a baby. She's basically put on bed rest with a hint of isolation where she can't even see her husband, friends, or newborn baby. Her physician husband repeatedly tells her that she's getting better and it's best for her to stay on rest. We experience the narrator's thoughts and interactions through this secret diary journal that she uses to write in. She's confined to a room with yellow wallpaper and begins to see things in this wallpaper. Over the months, she starts to see a woman trapped behind the wallpaper design. She starts to smell putrid things from the wallpaper and its presence just literally tortures her. She stays up at night to see the woman who disappears during the day. And when they're about to leave, she rips the wallpaper off the walls in a very traumatic, very dramatic final scene. Yeah, good for you, girl. All right, so there's probably a lot of different levels that we can talk about this from, you know, women's movements, from from kind of like a, a basic kind of more high school level. Uh, let's start with, I guess, kind of the symbolism in the story, just to make sure we're maybe all on the same page of what these some symbols could be in the story. Obviously, the yellow wallpaper, and we can start off with the house itself that she's trapped in. Yeah, I think the house is the best place to start. And there's a lot of there's a lot of symbols, but you know maybe some main main core ones like you said. But uh, I have this quote: "So I will let it alone and talk about the house, the most beautiful place. It is quite alone, standing well back from the road, quite three miles from the village. It makes me think of English places." that you read about, for there are hedges and walls and gates that lock, and lots of separate little houses for the gardeners and the people. So we get a strong sense of separation from the description of the house, right? It's the most beautiful place, but it's quite alone, and it's standing back from the road. Hey, and it's got a gate, and it's locked. Yeah, this almost feels like a prison, right? So you have the general pop area, you have the area for the cooks, you have the area for the the guards with like the gardeners. Uh, it feels like it's very much set up like a prison. Everything's compartmentalized. Mm. Mm, I like that. I like that. Yeah. All right. So the yellow wallpaper. Um, I think this represents the oppression or the cage, if you will, that is being placed onto women at the time, as being expressed by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. And yeah, definitely. Wall- This wallpaper literally alters her mental state, right? She starts changing her sleeping patterns just so that she can watch the woman trapped behind the wallpaper. The the woman's trying to break out of this wallpaper cage. She's trying to escape the oppression, and she can't help but watch. 
And over time, eventually she sees multiple figures, right? So you start to realize that it's not a single woman or, or a you know, supernatural Stephen King moment. It's, it's more about speaking about women as a whole in society that are denied a lot of rights um, across, not even just rights in terms of voting, in terms of, 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 of what we have today, but even maybe just psychologically, the way that the men all don't listen to her and tell her what her needs are. You're getting better. Can't you see? Just keep resting. And I think the yellow wallpaper represents that oppression coming from man. No, definitely. I think that uh, one thing that would be a, a, a huge disservice to this story is just right off that, oh, you know, she's going crazy or that she, you know, is hallucinating, that this does have the true meaning of the story. I mean, it's the title, but it does represent this idea that on the walls here, she is seeing the representation of an entire gender, not just what has been happening to her. And I like this quote says, and she is all the time trying to climb through, but nobody could climb through that pattern. It strangles so. I think that is why it has so many heads. And I think those heads are meant to represent the men or people in power that are keeping the, the oppressed down, if you will. Yeah, that's the control. That's the people that are in the way of the women breaking free out of the, the yellow wallpaper. And I like how you mentioned earlier, too, that this comes from a first-person narration uh, in terms of the narrative, because I think that's important, because if you tried to express this from a third person, I feel like we'd have too much separation and an objective uh, view that you can kind of see that she's crazy. When you're in her eyes and experiencing the trauma and the oppression— I think you can feel a lot more for her in terms of the stress that she's going through, being isolated, having a newborn baby and, and, and husband and friends that she can't interact with. Yeah, I think I think you're supposed to be sympathetic with her so that you understand that this is something that she is not doing by choice. This is something that is being pushed upon her and that she doesn't know what's going on and she doesn't know how to get better except for keep listening to these people. But she knows internally that it's not working right and I, I think it's pretty clear to me when we have lines like this she says personally i believe that congenial work with excitement and change would do me good i think this is her talking about women deserving to be able to work and have the same rights and be out there in the workforce as opposed to just being stuck at home and being the, the gatherer from the hunter-gatherer relationship. Yeah, she's definitely going uh, further along thinking of more evolved thoughts that she is her own person, should not be subservient to someone else. What about the journal? What do you think the journal represents? I mean, on the surface, it's obviously the storytelling mechanism, and I think it's the outlet for her, but I think it really represents her id her internal feelings of who she truly is because it's the only person that she feels and i almost feel like the journal is a person that that it is a living entity in the story where she can be who she truly is well you'll notice she hides it away right the husband or the the sister's coming so i gotta i gotta put the journal away they wouldn't they i know it's because of stimulation but they can't see her feelings, right? She's got to tuck that away when they come into the room. Yeah, and don't we do that in real life when you're going to someone's house, you're having a party? My wife my, always says, you know, oh, I, I just, I can't, you know, I can't put on the face. I can't put on the show right now because you have to be somebody else and you can't be just truly who you are. So she's got to hide that away and pretend to be something else. And we have this quote, and I know John would think it is absurd, but I must say what I feel. And I think in some way, it is such a relief. So so here she's clearly expressing that this is a good release for her. She needs to express these feelings via the journal, at least. Well, I think anybody would get depressed by not having other 
you know, human contact and interaction. And as I said, I think the journal becomes that her only friend, her only thing that she has because she's not able to be a human, to be a person because of the restrictions put on to her. She has this one outlet and that's it. And she doesn't want to lose it. Now, did you get much from the uh, usage of light through the story? No, I didn't pick on, on that. Well, I think it's kind of subtle, but you'll notice that it's at nighttime when she starts to really see these women struggle behind the pattern and how she... She changes her sleeping habits. I think it's just kind of like a subtle thing that you'll notice kind of at the end that she's kind of finally free or liberated. She rips down the cages during the day. It's during the day that she can kind of start feeling a little bit better, entering the light of of society, if you will. Uh, At least that's the way I kind of took it. Yeah, that makes sense. That light good, dark bad. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's obvious, but if a writer very specifically makes sure certain things happen, at certain times of the day, they're usually trying to say something with it, right? No, yeah, it's it's supposed to be happening at that exact moment. All right, now let's move on to something that I think is kind of interesting. Do you know what gaslighting is? This is, we talked about this before, right? I have a definition from Robin Stern, PhD of Associate Director of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence and author of The Gaslight Effect. Ooh, that's a mouthful. Yeah, so psychologists use the term gaslighting to refer to a specific type of manipulation where the manipulator is trying to get someone else or a group of people to question their own reality, memory, or perceptions. And it doesn't have to be conscious either. This can be uh, an unconscious decision too. But you can see it where um, you get people to kind of question things. You get people to start to realize that maybe they don't know the whole truth of things. And walking through a couple of these signs, I'm not a PhD guy, and obviously neither was Charlotte Perkins Gilman. This was kind of an authorial story. But I think it's interesting if you look at some of the techniques of gaslighting that you can kind of see that in the story. Hmm. So this is kind of like hypnotherapy, sort of? Yeah, it's there's a really interesting, a really, really important book that came out called Uneducated, where is this girl that was raised by these parents that, um, I'm going to paraphrase it loosely and horribly here, but basically made her question her own self-worth, question her own reality to the point where she didn't even know anything except what her parents told her was the truth, and they were lying half the time. Um, Interesting little kind of a biography there. But uh, one of the telltale signs is constantly telling lies to a person. And the idea behind this is that if you tell them so many lies, they start to not be able to tell which ones are the truth versus which ones are the really big lies versus just the small lies. And we have things like this in the story where, you know, the husband keeps saying, you're okay, you're getting better, you're gaining weight. And even even the narrator's like, no, I haven't. I haven't gained any weight. Um, and it's that kind of imagination of keeping telling lies that the only person that they have contact with, the husband, is the one they start to believe. Makes sense. Uh, another telltale sign is convincing others and victims of insanity. And you have the quote here from this where he says, if a physician of high standing and one's own husband assures friends and relatives that there is really nothing the matter with one but temporary nervous depression, a slight hysterical tendency, what is one to do? So you can see Believe how them, the, right? Yeah. Right. So, and you'll see the husband kind of doing that to the sister too. And the sister plays along when she comes to visit. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, if everybody's telling you you're sick, it's hard to not believe everybody else. And then there's some other signs like positive reinforcement with projection, uh, telling people that that they're against you. And I think you see all of these in the story with the husband, where the whole story is told from a first-person narrative perspective. But you'll notice even in her journal, so if we are correct, where the journal symbolizes her feelings, you'll notice 
she constantly quotes her husband. He said this. And she's not like saying that's what he said. She's using his words to tell the story in the journal. So she's replacing her own thoughts with, with, with her own husband, like her own thoughts with her husband's words in her journal, which is supposed to represent a highly personal self thing. She's injecting someone else's opinion into it as if it were hers. So he's he's projected himself into her pretty well. I mean, he's he's right. controlled her almost completely if that's right. taking place. Because right. then you're not your own person anymore. Right. So I'm not saying that, hey, this is the best case study of, of gaslighting. But that, that kind of came to my mind how he's like, honey, this is what you think. Honey, this is what's going on. And she's like, oh, okay, well, that's what's best for me. Oh, that's what's going good. And uh, I think we're supposed to kind of, you know, being the more objective reader, we're supposed to kind of look at that now, particularly in today's age, much different than when this first came out. Yeah. Kind of recognize what's happening here. And I think it's kind of interesting that 1892 piece kind of touches on some of these subjects. Yeah. The, one of the other questions I would ask then is, what is the purpose of gaslighting somebody? Just control your own insecurities, not, not having trust, not having love. Um, I mean, obviously, there's more a deeper psychological problem, possibly, possibly, with the person that's doing the gaslighting than there is the person that is being gaslit. Well, you know, gaslighting is a technique, right? You're asking what sort of a person would do such a thing, yeah. which is a much different classification in terms of what's what, why would someone try to manipulate and dominate someone else there's, there's probably a plethora of reasons of why someone would try to use gaslighting and and was the husband doing it purposefully i mean was it was it an accident on his part i mean we, we don't know for certain you know maybe he does love his wife and he just that's what he thought was best because that was the information that he had well and probably best, not but <laughs> that's the best part about gaslighting is it's, it's not even always done on purpose it's not like people study this it's like a way of manipulating people and you know people that are like this that are able to kind of make others go along and think about them think about the major uh you know terrible figures such as hitler and stuff like that he is projecting and making you think things through manipulation that there are various forms of gaslighting in pathological or uh, major, you know, psychopaths and stuff like that. That's it's a very common way that they all come to it. Even though they don't study it, they do it because they know how to manipulate others. So that kind of brings us to the wrap up here in the very end. And I will quote the very end of the story where it says, I've got out at last, said I. In spite of you and Jane, I put off most of the paper so you can't put me back. And it's not put it back, it's put me back. And I think that this is one of those stories that it may not be the best story ever. It may not be the best written story ever to kind of go into our own personal subjective analysis here. But I think it's one of those stories that matters because it changed people's lives. And after this story was released, her uh, Charlotte's real-life doctor read this story and started changing his own practices mm. of how he would prescribe or no longer prescribe the, the rest cure anymore. And that's kind of the point of stories, right, is when it has an impact on real life, no matter how good or bad, whatever number we give a story, it saves someone's life possibly. This story matters, and that's the cool thing about the yellow wallpaper. No matter what analysis we break down from it, it literally saves someone's life. Well, now if you don't give it a good rating, I feel like you're a heartless meanie. Like after a story <laughs> like that, goodness. I'm going to make yeah. you go first. You rate it first. 
No, I'm going to give this a solid eight because of how impactful it is in real life and in literature. I don't know how many pages it is in your print. My, my, the one that I had it said it was about 20 pages. It, yeah. didn't fe- it didn't feel 20 pages. Maybe because all the dialogue of, of the journaling was, was very short. Maybe, maybe it went quicker. But a very easy, very quick read that it was not... It, it was very enjoyable to read. I enjoyed the prose uh, of it a lot. I think I'm going to go subjectively. And again, in our wrap-up, so when we come up and do our May wrap-up, whether we recommend the story or not, it's going to be obvious what we do with this one, I think. <laughs> yeah. um, that's where we put that. This is just our own personal reaction. For me, I'm going to say a 7 out of 10, um, just in terms of my enjoyment. I completely agree that it has a lot more... I think that's fair. You don't have to justify it any further than that. All right, guys, thank you so much for checking us out. If you enjoy literature discussions and breakdowns of other short stories and literature greats, please consider subscribing to join us on this journey. Una out. Peace.